This is Sharon Steitler, the bird chick, and I am here with non-birding Bill. Hello! Since we're emphasizing the end of words. Maybe. 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 I don't know. I don't know. Well, Are we going to do this in iambic pentameter? Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> you know how I feel about Shakespeare. <laughs> you know how I feel about it. You know how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> now I have this vision of uh, Alexis Bledel doing... Romeo and Juliet and ending everything on an up note. To be, or no, it's, it's like, it's like uh, what yonder through breaks the... No, she would try to say it really fast. Yeah. and, and it, We shouldn't talk about Alexis Bledel To be Bledel or not way. to be, that is the question. She is a very good actor with the right director. <laughs> and pants, apparently. <laughs> that travel. The movie was like, what, 20 years ago? <laughs> Probably, yeah. yeah. Anyway, anywho, this is a birding podcast, not a Gilmore Girls podcast. Oh, well, you know, really, somebody should do a Gilmore Girls podcast. You know, that would be a great idea. There are two dudes who have taken that what? on, and it's, it's, it's a fine podcast. What? Actually, I've kind of dropped off because they started like going through all of the Amy Sherman Palladino oeuvre. It's like, <laughs> or I don't know, the, the Amy Sherman... Is that an appropriate use of the word oeuvre? Oeuvre. Yeah, the it's Paladinos like, have their. It's thing. like describing his opera as the as the as the plural of opus. <laughs> okay, so that's so now they're going through all of Amy Sherman Paladino's ovaries. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, <laughs> For ovaries and their ovaries. Anyway, yeah. um, hi, hi, hi. So we haven't podcasted in a while because I have been traveling and uh, I've come back from Cuba and Indiana. <laughs> Cuba, Indiana, the small town you grew up in. Cuba, Indiana, Cuba, Cuba Indiana, Indiana, not Louisiana. Honduras. Not Honduras. <laughs> yeah. uh, not Guatemala. Yeah. So let's, okay, well, let's take this in reverse order. Let's, uh, let's bury the lead a little bit. Let's talk about Indiana first, and then we'll get into Cuba, because I don't want to... I don't want to front load the excitement here. Okay. So you were in Indiana. You just came back from Indiana. Yeah, I, I was at the Indiana Dunes Bird Festival. And, <laughs> and boy, is your urge to report, to repress racist conversation tired. It was not like that in okay, this particular portion of Indiana. Everyone right. was very nice. No, if we suffered from anything, we suffered from north winds. Okay. Uh, migration, the migration gods are angry, my friends, mm. and they are taking it out on the Great Lakes. Okay. Um, actually, it was really funny because Biggest Week just started this past weekend, and by the time this podcast drops, it'll still be going on into mm-hmm. the next weekend. And Indiana Dunes Bird Festival is the same time as the first week, uh, first weekend of the Biggest Week in Birding at, in Northern Ohio, which we have been to. Yes, yes, you have been to the Biggest mm-hmm. Week, but we're, I'm not going to it at all this year. Uh, but a lot of my friends are there and there's been this system off the Great Lakes of the winds just roaring out of the north. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking at Indiana the day I'm arriving to the Indiana Dunes Bird Festival. They're supposed to have like a pre festival field trip and it's rainy and windy. And I'm like, Oh, I'm really glad today's my travel day and I'm not leading a trip. But the next day it was still super windy and cold. It just didn't have the rain. So for those who do not follow migration, North winds are bad for migration in the spring, in the spring, because the birds are trying to go North. So winds out of the North, kind of cock blocking them, pushing them all down. Was it Southwest winds? You want South winds, essentially. Okay. And then what really made it rough was, you know, so every night before I'm leading one of my field trips, I'm 
opening up my radar apps and everything mm. and I and I'm and one of my apps now will like do that whole wind thing where it shows you the direction of the winds, you know, like little streaks mm-hmm. on there. And so like Minnesota, it's like all these beautiful south winds. <laughs> and then you can see the plumes of blue as the birds are, are migrating right. up. And yeah, there's some in southern Indiana and some in southern Ohio, but really the eastern part of the United States, like, yeah, screw you. you no migration for you. And then, so, Saturday night, I had, it was like my last night in Indiana, and I had a field trip the next morning, and I see everything lighting up, and I see, mm-hmm. like, even some plumes over Chicago, which is not too far right. from, from where I am. But basically, it was this black hole of northern Indiana and northern Ohio. I was like, yeah, no migration for you, bird festivals. <laughs> but no, uh... Uh, biggest week in birding had it even worse. Okay. So they had winds and rain, and the winds blew down the optics vendor tent. Oof. And I mean, it is a huge tent, and so yeah. the I think Eagle Optics is usually there, and then there's uh, an Amish dealer who's usually there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's called Time and Optics or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's where like Swarovski and Leica and everybody have their. Um, products out for display too so yeah the tent blew down fortunately most optics these days uh you know they're waterproof you know it's a good way to test the warranty (laughs) but yeah uh i saw i didn't have a chance to answer it but i saw uh, a text from my friend kurt ron co-host of birds and beers saying Mm -hmm. yeah i just got the day off from working the optics tent because it blew away and then (laughs) I saw that uh, Greg Nees from the ABA made mention that a loon flew into Mommy Bay Lodge. Oh, no. <laughs> like the wind just like blew it into the oh, building. Yeah, poor it's like, thing. I and they know. are not good on land. No, no. And I don't think this thing was good after hitting uh, a building. Yeah. So so it just, it, it, it sounded like its own little fire fest over there. Yeah, okay. So you went to Cuba. Wait, are we still going to talk about Indiana? <laughs> We can talk about Indiana if you want to. The exotic locale of Indiana. No, the the bird festival was great. Indiana Dunes is great. Normally, uh, there are warblers dripping off the trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, I had to work a little bit harder for the the scarlet tanagers, but we got worm eating warbler and things like that. But it's it's a great little small festival. And what was nice about it is the superintendent of Indiana Dunes National Park, formerly Indiana Dunes National Lakeshore, mm-hmm. uh, used to be the superintendent of the national park that I work for. So I got to hang right. out with him. And then anybody who was at this festival got a very rare treat. You got to see my mother and two of my sisters. They've never gone to a bird festival with me before. And what was hilarious was that my uh, sisters kept getting mistaken for my mother. So I'd be standing next to my sister, Terry. And so I was like, thank you for lending us your daughter this weekend. I'm sure that was hilarious for you. (laughs) And as a frame of reference, like... You're, and then everybody thought the, my mom was my grandmother. Yeah, you're the <laughs> you you are by far the youngest of your sisters, so there's a there's a spread there. And there is a tremendous. I mean, yeah. so I'm the youngest of eight children. Yes. And there is a ten year difference between me and the next one in line. Right. So in a crazy turn of events, my sister Terry is closer in age to my mother. Mm. Than she is to me. So, I mean, it is plausible that, you know, Terry right. could have had me uh, yeah. and, and that mom would could very well be my grandmother. Yeah, but I'm it sure, just, it was I'm just. I'm sure Terry found that hilarious. She did. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, I mean, there's no doubt. It's, it's just funny. It's like, you know, it's like the Hobbit Patrol Let's has see. come <laughs> to a bird festival because we're all so short. So, we're going to spend the whole podcast talking about Indiana and the 
the magic they're in. Well, I just feel like, you know, I always talk about bird festivals. I didn't want to railroad it with Cuba. I thought we'd start with Cuba, and then you railroaded me, so. Yeah, that's what I did. But, uh, no, I got to meet, uh, remember the time that I had just kind of had it with owls, and somebody sent uh, an illustration of me with, like, a John James Audubon puffy shirt and a snowy owl sitting on my knee? No, I don't remember that anyway, at all. she was there. Her name's Annie. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and so... <laughs> I got to meet her, and she was fantastic on my field trip. And uh, she's still me... talking about Indiana. Yes, because I got <laughs> nobody cares about Indiana, Sharon. Anybody can go to Indiana. Do you really want to say that out loud for your mother-in-law to hear? Yes. <laughs> there are a lot of Hoosiers that listen to this podcast. <laughs> they don't want to hear about Indiana. They're in Indiana. All right, fine. Well, you can go to this bird festival in northern Indiana, outside of Gary, Indiana, and uh, have a great time. Yeah. <laughs> why you gotta be such a dick? <laughs> That's my job. That's why I'm here. You get mad at me if I'm on the podcast and I'm not a dick. No, I just get mad at you when you don't talk. All right. <laughs> So what are we going to talk about next? Do you right, want news uh, yes, or do you want like, Cuba? Okay, what's, what's, what's going on in uh, in Mankato? Is there anything going on in Mankato? Hey, I had someone about? from Mansfield, Ohio on one of my field trips. Well, that must have been exciting for you. It was. I was. That's how you relate to people. You say, oh, I have family near there. Well, you have family in there. That's the town I'm from. <laughs> You're just, you're not going to talk about Cuba at all. And I went to Cuba. I was in Indiana. Oh my God, it was an amazing experience. And you're I went to Cuba. We now let's go to the news. We used to go to Indiana because I was like, I was all ready to talk about Cuba. And then I you wanted went... to get that out of the way first and then we could talk about this. Oh my God. <sighs> I'm calling our marriage counselor and this time I mean it. Oh God. <laughs> okay, so tell me. Tell me, dear, what would you like to talk about next? Oh, I, I, I don't know. Is there is there some sort of really great uh, job that people could get uh, in, no. in birding where there's you no You didn't pay? like that segment, the... so I quit doing that. <laughs> Good. Actually, if I want to talk about anything, I want to talk about how hard it is to get a job for the National Park Service because they keep screwing up sending seasonals. Sure. Seasonal applications to national parks. Yeah. This, the, this, I should probably be careful talking about this. All I'm going to say is, is that... If you're going to a national park site this summer, mm. be prepared for low staff numbers because there are some hiring issues. Okay. And then you can just talk to me in a bar and I'll give you the full deets. Anyway, um, so what are we going to talk about next? Uh, whatever you want to talk about. This is your podcast. I'm here to support you. Do you want you. news or do you want Cuba? You can talk about whatever you want to. Okay. So I just got back from Cuba and I'm still processing it okay. uh, to talk about it. I will say this. This was the best birding trip I have ever been on in my life. Why? Number one, the company that we did this trip through, Holbrook, mm -hmm. they actually took me seriously when I told them about the kind of trip I wanted. Okay. Um, because here's the thing. I think having adventure when you travel is fantastic. But, you know, sometimes it would be nice to come home from a birding vacation and not feel like you need another week off to recover from that birding vacation. Sure. So I told Holbrook, I was like, yeah, uh, when they talked about doing a trip to Cuba, I was like, I would like to do that. But here's the thing. I want, if we go to a nice hotel that has amenities, like is by the ocean, mm -hmm. I want time to enjoy that ocean. Sure. Uh, I, it's not important to me on this trip that we see every single possible bird. I would like to see as many endemics 
or for people who don't know what that means, as many birds that you could only see in Cuba as possible. Mm -hmm. And depending on who you talk to, based on... There's roughly 28 birds you can mm. only get in Cuba right now, and and uh, I you know I just I would like to also learn about the culture. I don't want to go to Cuba and not get a sense of the culture because I have sure. been on bird trips where it's like we're passing this really famous thing and I would like to do that and they're like no 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 this is bird trip keep going I'm like but I really want to learn more about this famous monument yeah, exactly. and see that. I'm, Trying not to name that particular country. But anyway, this was the trip that I wanted. And sometimes I've asked for that, and they don't take me seriously on the sleeping and relaxing end of things. Right. And Holbrook did, and it was amazing. Well, I mean, I get that. I mean, some people, like, especially if you're going to, you know, a country like Cuba, that's, let's let's, let's be honest, a once-in-a-lifetime thing for some people. Yeah. You want to get all of the birds. You don't want to say... Oh, we missed it. So, and it's a forest. It's a forest. Do you want to get the culture or do you want to get the birds? And it's really a matter of the people who go on the trip and what they are looking for. No. So one of the people who went on the trip. So the first, like, first night into it, we were all settling down after having a good day of birding and stuff. And, and I'm like, who wants mojitos? And so we're all sitting there with either our beer or mojito or whatever. And the guy's like, I didn't know people drank on birding trips. <laughs> I'm like, we're not going to get drunk, but if you want to have a celebratory drink for seeing as many lifers as we did today, yes, yes, we're going to do that. We're going to go to bed at a reasonable hour, and we're going to get eight, eight hours sleep. Right. And and I also was clear, too, when I said, I don't mind if we have one or two days where we have to get up at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. to go get some rare species. I don't want that every day. Right. I have been on the trips where every single day it's 4 a.m., I mean, generally, we were on the road by 7 a.m. for most days. And, and I, for a birding trip, I thought that was very reasonable. But we got 24 of the 28 endemics. That's great. And the ones that we didn't get, we just weren't in Cuba long enough to get. But, I mean, we spent three days around the Zapata Swamp. and All right. Well, you, tell, me about, tell me about Cuba. Tell me about the experience of being in Cuba. Okay, first of all... Everybody down there dresses, they, they, they flaunt their assets. Okay. And, I mean, everybody does this. It is mm-hmm. part of the culture. Be prepared for that. If you want to flaunt your assets, go right ahead. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what age, size you are. If you have something to flaunt, have it. I mean, one of the things that struck me right away that I thought was hilarious in the Havana airport, uh, and this was also the same in the Santa Clara airport, was the airport security was all very attractive young women in their 20s okay. in short skirts. Oh. And fishnets okay. and uh, high you heels. You mentioned that like fishnets are a thing like down there. Like, well, we asked, you know, if there was anything that we could bring down there to offer as gifts, mm-hmm. and uh, we were told uh, anything baseball, especially baseball mm-hmm. caps or jerseys, mm-hmm. bring actual baseballs. Mm-hmm. Those are popular. Um, we were told nylons. Mm-hmm. Women really want nylons. After having gone down there, they don't want just you know, your legs pantyhose. Mm-hmm. They want the fun stuff that you would get maybe here in America that we would only wear at Halloween. Okay. You want fishnets. And okay. f- actually, fishnets make more sense because most of your fishnets out there, right. they're not really pantyhose. They're, they, they're just netting. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's hot down there. That's sure. going to breathe. But, you know, like the elaborate stuff that has roses and whatnot on oh, there. I mean, okay. I saw 60-year-old women wearing this and okay. rocking it, and it looked great. So if you want to bring nylons down, uh, down there, go to Leg Avenue or okay. something like that. Um, but no, these women were all, uh, they were they were just, uh, it cracked me up that the TSA looked like 
They looked very hot. They looked like Halloween hot TSA agent. Yes, they did. Okay. Yes, right. they did. But they also, they had the face of, I'm not taking any shit from you either. I mean, I did not go in the sense of like, hey, let's all giggle together and have a pillow fight. No, right. they, I mean, you, they, they were no nonsense. And they were beautiful. They were okay. fantastic. All right. So you get through that and you're in actual Cuba. Like- and actual downtown Havana. Mm-hmm. So we started in Havana and then ended over in Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Havana is fun. I mean, we stayed in Hemingway's favorite hotel, mm. and there was Hemingway stuff oh. everywhere. But uh, the, the but no, Havana was great. The only thing that really disturbed me about Havana, and this was kind of a theme through the trip, and you need to be prepared for this if you go to Cuba. As a matter of fact, National Audubon had an article about this right mm. before I left. The culture in Cuba is to catch buntings and keep them in cages. Right. And this isn't the kind of thing, like, I can kind of justify a lot of pet birds, especially as someone who's owned a pet bird, that, oh, it's been raised in captivity and this is all it knows. No, these are clearly adult indigo buntings and painted buntings that have been captured and put in cages. Well, it's sort of interesting because we've talked about this uh, at length before, uh, like, when you came back from this. It's sort of interesting that one of the reasons you want to go to Cuba is that it's not heavily developed, so they have a lot of this Mm -hmm. wildlife space. So the idea that they would, you know, capture these birds and keep them in cages while the birds themselves are actually thriving in the wild is I there there is a weird. I'm still trying to process this yeah. part of it. There's there's something I want to write here, and I have a nugget of it. Okay. But at the end of the day, I mean, we saw a lot of species and and buntings. Mm-hmm. It's illegal to keep buntings in cages in Cuba. I mean, but mm-hmm. the police are dealing with other things. Right. But the people who keep these birds in cages, they have a love of these birds. So I was explaining to our cultural guide who didn't know as much about birds that, hey, FYI, if you're going to start having birders come here, right. don't show us buntings in cages. You know, uh, that, that you're going to have people that are going to be very upset by this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as she learned about it, she even confronted someone who had mm-hmm. a bunting in a cage at one point and said, these birds don't belong in a cage. And the person responded to her with, I can't see them otherwise. Mm. And not only was it a matter of this person didn't know how to watch birds, but when painted buntings and indigo buntings are in Cuba, they're in their non-breeding plumage. Mm. So the culture is, you catch this bird when it's green or when it's brown, and then it's going to molt into this beauty. It's either going to be you know red, green, and blue, or it's going to be bright blue, and it's going to sing like crazy. This reminds me of up here there was a a controversy about um, uh, like trails in the the woods mm-hmm. and like they were going to ban um motorized view like quad runners oh, and yeah, ATVs yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. from those and i remember there was a quote from one of the guys who who liked taking his quad runner on these trails and he said i bet i see more birds than these bird watchers do uh which i thought was a very fascinating quote that this guy who rides a motorized vehicle through these trails has the impression that yeah yeah these, the, the, the birds that he sees like you know these Presumably, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he sees flies. a lot of birds that he's flushing. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. yeah, but yeah. He's not seeing the, you know, the rare birds. But I mean, the the people really love the birds, and so mm-hmm. we also saw a mockingbird in a cage. And the mm-hmm. thing that that really struck me, like with the buntings, you could tell they were adults that are new to captivity because mm-hmm. they're they're very active in the cages. Uh, there was only one bunting, and maybe it was a couple years old, and it was in downtown Havana, mm-hmm. and it was just singing. It's so weird. You're walking down the streets in old Havana and you're fire fire where where here here see it see it and it's like why am I hearing a bunting and then you see it in a cage Mm. singing its head off but a lot of the buntings I saw were recently caught and just kind of like Mm. trying to get out of the cage the mockingbird I saw 
was like it had its foot tucked, which is a bird that's relaxed and was just kind of chilling out. And our ornithologist guide, Iram Gonzalez, told me that the culture is you take mockingbirds out of the nest mm. so you can teach them songs. Mm-hmm. And they teach them the anthem. And so it's a very beloved oh, bird for being able to s- sing that. All right. So what else do I need to know if I'm going to go to Cuba? Um, if you're going to go to Cuba. So uh, just another thing that if you're wondering, like, if you have a trip coming up to Cuba, what kinds of things should you take down there? Mm-hmm. Um what is your favorite book that you've ever read? Okay. Find a Spanish translation of it. Mm-hmm. Take that with you and leave it somewhere. Oh, okay. They really, like, we. there was a guy in a small mm-hmm. town who commandeered some of our group to, he was super excited about meeting people from the United States, and he wanted to show the makeshift library that he had developed. Well, that was the town. interesting thing, is you talked about, like, the people were very, like, the people were very welcoming, and the people were very curious about the United States. Yeah, yeah, for to, some like, people are like, you're the first people from the United States we've but, ever met. But there was still this sort of, like, cult, like, the, the, the government culture, there was a lot of, like, uh, you know, government, like, you were describing things like... Oh, you're talking about the Bay of Pigs? Uh, well, no, like, you were describing stuff like, um, like, pictures of American eagles with a cube, like, Cuba oh, in its claws. yeah. So, but the people were very, like... Yeah, well, there's the propaganda. I mean, yeah, so all the ways that we in North America use the bald eagle as this majestic symbol, yeah, you yeah, will yeah. find books down there about, mm. you know, the imperialist... Yeah. Like and, and yeah, war. it is. It's a bald eagle with a missile in its mouth. Yeah. Or a bald eagle attacking the globe and sinking its mm-hmm. talents into the globe. Um, but for the most part... People, well, they like us for, they're just a generally welcoming people, mm-hmm. was what I found. And uh, the other thing I was told was that because we have a custom of tipping mm-hmm. and we know how to tip, we over tip because we don't understand the, the multiple mm-hmm. economies that happen right. in Cuba. So uh, so they love us because we tip and the Europeans mm-hmm. don't tip as much as we do. No, yeah, but, I've heard that when I went to Europe as well. But, but and, and I also want to warn people, if you're going down there and if you're panicked about the cash thing, this is something else you need to know, mm-hmm. uh, you have to go down with cash. Yes. That you cannot use any credit or debit card that has that is attached There's to the bank. There's no connection to the banks. Yeah, you cannot withdraw money while you're there. Mm-hmm. So whatever cash you think you're going to need, you're going to have to take down there. Be prepared to tip for everything. Mm-hmm. Tip for the bathroom. Tip tip for everything. Tips are everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I left. When I left, I went to Wells Fargo and said, I'm going to Cuba. Here's how much money I think I need. Right. And with American money, there's in major cities especially, there's a 3% uh, charge for mm-hmm. exchanging money. In some of the smaller towns, they don't even charge that. But if you're if you have U.S. cash you're automatically charged a 10% penalty. Mm. So Wells Fargo told me, it's like, you want to go with euros because the exchange right. rate for the dollar and the euro right now is really good. And the so that way, instead of getting a 13% penalty, I'd only get a 3%. And in most cases, it was an even exchange of the yeah. Cuban convertible peso to euros. So talk so, to your bank before you go down. So if you went to Cuba again, what would you do differently, both in terms of like, you know, uh, well, not mistakes, but like, what would you do differently in terms of things you would want to do if you went to Cuba again and things you would do? I would go down with, like, if I had nicer clothing that mm-hmm. I was going to donate here, I would mm-hmm. just pack that in my suitcase and donate it down okay. there because they really want nicer clothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one one woman at one of the hotels, when I went to exchange my towels, uh, was like, are you checking out? Can you, any clothing you don't want, can you leave mm-hmm. behind? And I was like, oh, sweetie. Because she was asking for dresses, mm-hmm. and I was like, 
All I have is convertible pants and a hiking skirt. I don't think you want those. Yeah, I'm sure, I mean, mean, I'm sure they get, like, ecotourism, and then I'm sure they get, like, people who are going to, well, you can't just go as a tourist. No, but. You have to go as, like, like, what did you say? It was, like, research, or? um, I went on people-to-people research, and we had to go on educational outings mm-hmm. to meet people and ebird was a, was yeah. a big and that's being more and more relaxed but mm-hmm. you you do have to go down and go which i'm fine to do yeah. educational seminars but i'm sure they do that. have some people who are going down there to experience cuban culture yeah and like things um like take thumb drives they mm-hmm. really want th- any kind of technology that mm-hmm. you can spare take that um Take thumb drives, take fancier nylons, mm-hmm. take your favorite book uh, in a Spanish translation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have that Kaufman uh, guide that's in mm-hmm. Spanish, uh, I actually saw some of our local guides using that. Cool. And yeah, and, and another thing is you can't just go to Cuba and it's like here. It's like if I want to go to a park that charges mm-hmm. a fee, I pay that fee and then I can go and use eBird to figure that stuff out. Right. Um, you have to hire a state guide. Mm-hmm as well as the national park entrance fee to go in there. You cannot go in there on your own. So just be prepared that you, the way you go bird watching up here is not the same that you can do it down there legally. What was the coolest bird you saw in Cuba? Oh, um, the Cuban crow. <laughs> what you, uh, you played that video for me of like the crazy call it makes. We'll put a link up to the to, Yeah, I'll put the video, the video on there, there. But yeah, yeah, the Cuban crow sounds nothing like we do. I mean, the... Everybody talks about the Cuban toady. The Cuban toady is amazing uh-huh. and adorable. Uh, the tocororo, which is the national bird, is amazing. Mm-hmm. We saw the smallest hummingbird. If you're going to go down and see that, they don't have a culture of hummingbird feeders. Mm. So you are going to look for the world's smallest hummingbird. In the wild. Like you would look for a warbler. <laughs> and let me tell you, it is not easy. Right. But we did it. Um also be prepared that the guides down there don't have the culture of ethics that we have. Mm. And they're still kind of learning how to take people bird watching. Like, we went to go look for a certain species of owl. And the so we had our overall ornithologist, and we, we mm-hmm. had the local guide. Right. And so he, he was like, okay, everybody, look at this cavity on this tree, this dead palm mm-hmm. tree, and, you know, and the owl will come out. So I assume they were either going to do a tape call, number one, mm-hmm. or that they were just going to kind of, like, tap on it like mm-hmm. a woodpecker. Oh, no, they shook the tree. Oh, boy. <laughs> And the owl came out. And uh, so I was kind of talking to the guide afterwards to say, hey, you know, uh, we do things a little differently. Something you may want to try is maybe just playing the call or tapping on the tree like mm-hmm. a woodpecker. Sometimes that means like, oh, yeah, uh, we've tried that and it doesn't come out anymore <laughs> because it knows it's us. And so now we have to shake the tree to get it to come out. I'm like, that may not be sustainable. You know, that may yeah. not be a way to, to last. Yeah. And he's like, well, the owl's been there two years. I think it'll be okay. And it's so, yeah. it, it was not the time or place to just say this, you really can't do this. So yeah. I, there's going to be kind of a learning but curve But you also have, like, I mean, as one of the first people, you know, the first American groups down there, you have a sort of responsibility to to yourself yeah. and to them and to the sustainability of this ecotourism thing to say, let's... You know, okay, I got mine now. Yeah, Fuck you, yeah, everybody yeah, else. Yeah, you yeah, and, and there, there were a few times where they were playing calls, and I was like, just, just stop playing it. Just stop. No, playing. no, no, no. We can try. It's like, no, we've played it enough. 
the bird is not coming yeah. out. Let's let's just leave this. And I mean, that's just something that's going to come with time. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm I'm just gonna uh, I'll just say this. There have been other birders going down there, and photographers, not necessarily American ones, but they have learned that you know people want will tip money if they get to see this particular right. bird. And tape calls are a thing that happens when you you. I mean you. You have to understand, like, when you go to any country mm-hmm. in Central and South America and they're playing a tape call, you are not the only group that day or that week that is out right. there playing those calls for those birds. It's just... Would you go back to Cuba? Absolutely. Uh, actually, Holbrook asked if I wanted to go back next year, and I was like, I don't know if I can next year with my time off schedule. Yeah. But uh, I'm thinking about putting together another tour in 2018, and it will be the the same thing. And we will stay in a variety of places. We'll stay in Old Havana, will uh stay in a couple of casa particulars um and yeah i i I would do it again right so yeah uh if you want a trip where you get some sleep and you see a lot of really great birds and (laughs) oh yeah i was gonna think what was the other thing i was gonna recommend people do there oh internet in cuba oh yes yes because this was a little harrowing for you a bit yeah uh so Cuba hasn't really had the internet except until maybe five years ago. Imagine that, yeah, the Cuban internet is like, what, 10 years ago when we had, uh, I was actually having this discussion when, like, last Thanksgiving, um, it was like, people talking about Cyber Monday. Mm -hmm. I was like, why was it Cyber Monday? Oh, that's right. You only had fast internet at work. Yeah. So you couldn't do your internet shopping until you went back to work where the fast internet was. So it's like, Yeah. So, the internet is slow to begin with. Mm -hmm. You can only use internet in public places. So, Mm -hmm. there are public hotspots. And you have to buy a card to use the internet. And the Mm -hmm. card is only good for an hour. Right. So, they only have... Their phones only have voice and local text capability. Yeah, yeah. There's no SMS. There's no MMS. There's no 3G. Yeah. And... The other thing is, so there was one day our schedule was getting tight and we all wanted to get internet cards and our local guide was like, you guys go do this lecture and then I'll go and I'll Mm -hmm. get you some cards. She could only buy three cards at a time. So you can only buy three hours of internet at a time with your ID. And so that was a whole thing. And yeah, it's, it's, it's slow internet and it has to be in public. So just be prepared. There was a period of about 80 hours where yeah. we were out of touch. And, and you were on an island, what, 45 minutes off the coast of Florida? Yes. And I was, and it was because where we went, there was no internet yeah. hotspot. So yeah. I had the card. So I could I not even. I figured if something went horribly wrong, somebody would have told yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have gotten a call from the State Department. Yes, or from Holbrook. Saying, yeah, hey. and you were with a group. So. Yeah, but I was yeah, with there, a group. It's not, it's just not connected. It's just, yeah, and and then when you do have it, I'm, sometimes Facebook works, sometimes yeah. Facebook didn't. Yeah. And so it's fascinating to me down there that, you know, Airbnb is trying to get a foothold in there, and it's like, oh, sure. how can you do that with the internet situation that's going on? Yeah. You, it's so, so yeah, and I mean, it was it was kind of fun to be away from the internet for, for a few days, but that yeah. was, that was some old school non-communication that was, yeah. that was, a, that was a bit surprising. Yeah. The other thing is I thought that was hilarious was, when, you know, when you're traveling to another country, you have to claim whatever it is mm-hmm. that you're bringing, and the form asked how much porn I was bringing with me into Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's because the internet is so bad, oh, they sure. want to know yeah, what you're exactly. bringing in. <laughs> But yeah, I'm just 
kind of going through the forms, like you're bringing fruits and vegetables, you know, you're, you're, you're right, right, right. like, how much pornography are you bringing in? Wait, what? <laughs> just hand them your computer? I don't know. I just, I just gave him my iPhone. Yeah, I was like, uh, yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> so yeah, that that that's Cuba in a nutshell. I'll be writing about it some more. I mm-hmm. definitely want to. I have, there's so much more to talk about with the sure. whole captive bird situation, but Cuba is great if you can find a way to go there. And if you're looking at some of the trips and being like, dang, these trips are expensive, there's a reason they're expensive. It's mm-hmm. because of all the guides that you have to have for here, there, and everywhere. Right. And you went, like, you went, like, you went on a guided tour down there and they had, like, the hotels taken care of and, like. The hotels and most of the food, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the food, they said the food was going to be bland. Uh-huh. Food was very good. It was, okay. seafood was fresh. It wasn't spicy food. Right. But the food was good. But the but the thing is, is that if you're looking at trips and they're kind of expensive, that's why. The other thing is, sometimes you can find some of the cheaper trips, but mm-hmm. you might get into a bidding war as to whether or not you actually get to keep the hotel that you have. Sure. So then that that's one of the reasons why I was like, okay, I just I just want a guaranteed bed. That's, right. I'm willing to pay a little extra for a guaranteed bed and not have to be outbid by someone else. But okay, it's fascinating. Go to Cuba. It it's it's. It's just really interesting to me to be in a country that has been so isolated for so long. Yeah. All right. Do we have news? Yes, we do. We can use? All right. Lay some news on me. All right. Do you want fun? I have a couple of different stories. Don't end on the most depressing story in the world. Okay. Let me get the depressing story out of the way. Okay. So it's migration. Okay. Um, Nearly 400 birds migrate thousands of miles only to fatally crash into a texas building great so uh on thursday employees arrived at the american national insurance building in Mm -hmm. galveston to find uh almost 400 dead or dying birds mostly blackburnian and nashville warblers but there's baltimore oriole um but it just kind of highlights how much damage one building can do in one night and it, it appears that there were a combination of factors of wind and fog and the building having its lights on. But this is just one building in one right. city. And even if you just take into account that, okay, granted, 394 species being found dead, or not 394 species, 394 individual birds mm-hmm. of several different species being found outside one building. Let's just say it's like, Five to ten birds per building per night all across mm-hmm. the United States. We really need to come up with a better solution for buildings, glass, how we handle light at night during migratory events. But I don't disagree. I have nothing funny to say about that. I no, but it's it's just one of those things if you're just like, oh, well, the Viking Stadium, no big deal. Just like, look at this picture. Look at this picture. It's a big deal. And And, yeah. and I think some of this is just fresh in my brain, too, after seeing so many buntings and cages in cuba mm-hmm. it's like this is just the cage bird trade you know this right. doesn't even this and this is just one country this is just one island this doesn't take into account cats weather events buildings all that stuff and it's yeah. like how do we have any birds left that we can watch i think this might have happened while you were away there was an article in the strip they were talking about like because it's the amount of dead birds caused by the new viking stadium has been a thing again now that it's actually been built and somebody was trying to deflect that. It's like, well, let's not talk about the Vikings saying, let's talk about cats. It was just like... Just... And that's that's one of the big problems yeah. is that people say, well, cats are much worse. And then you have 
the cat people right. saying, well, glass is much worse. Whereas yeah, I'm like, like, let's focus on what we can and where we can. Yeah. And and it's it's a complex thing to talk about. I have a tough time when birders tell me about some cat col- feral cat colony mm-hmm. where they've been doing trap, neuter, and release. And over a span of 10 years, the colony has gone f- down 60%. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a failure. I'm like... That sounds a little successful to me if the yeah. colony size is reduced, but they want the colony completely gone. I yeah. don't think that's going to happen. And that was the other thing I thought about in Cuba was that there were feral dogs and cats all over the place. There were feral cats everywhere. I actually got a really great shot of these. Yes, you did. Feral cats that look like they're about to drop an epic <laughs> album. But uh, and the dogs in some of the cities, uh, historians had taken control. I shouldn't say taken control. Had taken somewhat of an ownership of them. So they, there's like a TNR program for these dogs, right. and they get a little collar that has their name and a picture on it. And that means the historian in the city is has taken responsibility for this particular feral dog. Make sure it's mm-hmm. fed. Make sure it gets its shots once a year. Right. And uh, yeah, and it's like okay. I saw way more feral cats in Cuba, and it's yeah. like, that's a major wintering and migratory spot for birds. Yeah. Up here, I saw it more as a thing of, like, the, that particular article was more like a thing. It was like, uh, don't worry about the Vikings, Stadium. let's talk about cats. And, like, oh, yeah. and then you get involved with the people who loved cats, and it's like, we don't need to... Well, it's like uh, that guy that we ran into in that bar that one time who was mansplaining the Viking Stadium to me, <laughs> birdsplaining, whatever you want to call yeah. it. And he was like, no, 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 it's okay, 3M's working on it. It's like, no, 3M's not working yeah. on it. That story was a red herring. And he's like, no, 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 it's, it's, it's okay, it's been all been worked on. And I was like... I don't think you understand the background that I have in birds, and he's trying to explain birds to me. And I was like, "Really? Are you going to explain my job to me?" No, I mean, and then but then he turned it around to, "Well, you just don't understand how important it is to oh, have, yeah. you know, a, a game." And it was like, "Wow, you're just really weird." Yeah, no, this, that's I. I think I've made my opinions on professional sports very clear. So I don't know if you have. Maybe people should follow you on Twitter to find out. Uh, professional sports. The only thing I hate more than professional sports are yeah. college level sports. So let's why do you on. hate them more? Because uh, on, on the college level, the players are being exploited worse and oh, yeah. are not being paid at all. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's yeah. move on to our next story. Okay. Let's something fun. All right. Uh, somebody has made the field guy. How many how many legs does the dog have at the end of this story? <laughs> least one okay <laughs> somebody has made a field guide that we all want okay so it is it's a tumbler mm-hmm. it's not too emo but it's a tumbler to the field guide to dumb birds of north america okay. the tagline i hate birds these are my field notes <laughs> and it's clearly someone who knows birds right. and can kind of sketch this is probably the uh, spouse of a bird watcher but, uh, no, like, one of them is, uh, it, it has a sketch here of a flycatcher, and it calls it the fuck-tailed flycatcher. <laughs> this flycatcher is from the tropics, but many show up annually in North America, some reaching as far as northeastern seaboard, even into Canada. It's impossible to predict exactly where they will appear, though, because the dumb shits who show up here were trying to migrate from southern South America to Mexico. What a bunch of fuck-ups. <laughs> This is definitely the spouse of a bird watcher. Note, get a load of this dumb shit's ridiculous <laughs> tail. <laughs> it looks an evening gross bee. This appeals to my inner 13-year-old, and they call it the evening gross butt. Yeah. 
This fat-billed little chunk of finch is usually found in a northern coniferous forest. But during winter, you basically can't hide from it. Then they appear erratically all over North America and all are well-known for descending on bird feeders in, nor- northern, in noisy flocks to demolish your supply of sunflower seeds without so much as a thank you. <laughs> This is great. I love no, this. No, no, it is. It is. Yeah. And, and, oh, and then it's got the Western Wood Pee Wee. Uh-huh. It calls it the Western Wood Pew Pew. <laughs> so, anyway, check out this Tumblr. It's adorable. I hope a Kickstarter happens and we actually get to uh, have this as an actual field guide because <laughs> I would pay money for this. <laughs> I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's just, yes. Yeah. We've all we've all been there. Yeah, no, this is definitely, as you say, this is definitely somebody who uh, who knows birds, and I have to assume it's it's the child or spouse of a dedicated. Bird I think this is an actual birder had enough. No, I think this is a birder who's had enough because well, I mean, I talked about that with the horned guan. It's yeah. like I remember the exact moment where yeah. why am I here? Yeah, I hate birds. <laughs> I need psychological help. I have been out. Uh, bird spotting with you on multiple locations where you're like, oh, you little bastard. Why'd you hop back in there? Oh, yeah, I've done that. And and I'm now to the point of like trying to show people birds and then the bird just flies away. I'm like, yep, birds are jerks. <laughs> birds are jerks. All right, what's our next story? Um, There's weird stuff happening on nest cams. Okay. Okay, so first, I mean, one really, and it's all Dog collars, that kind of thing? Around osprey. Uh-huh. Yeah, osprey are getting kinky. Mm-hmm. But no, it's just one of my favorite things. There's a there's a well- see that was interesting is that I meant dog collars as in birds of prey are ringing dog collars into the nest cams and that's causing problems. Oh, and I just went and you straight. went to something tight on something tight. Chicks wearing dog collars and you know let me smash fingerless, fingerless gloves and things like that. Okay, that's good. It's good. I see where this is. Yeah, going. so you went to yeah. osprey eating dogs and I went straight to BDSM. <laughs> yeah. 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 Welcome to our marriage, folks. Yeah, well. Okay, so anyway, the osprey are getting funky. The osprey so just weird stuff are happening on osprey nest cams. <laughs> okay. Like the there's a there's a very well known one at Hog Island. Mm-hmm. And uh People are watching the nest cam. It's about the time for ospreys to show up. And what shows up is the first state record for Maine for a vermilion flycatcher. Oh, sure. And I mean, it is a beautiful, bright red male. So I just love that. It's like people are watching. It's like, what's that red thing? Is that a cardinal? And then the cam just kind of clicks and zooms over to it. And it's like, oh, shit. That's a super rare bird. Uh, And then the other thing is there appears to be a Canada goose uprising. I knew this was coming. Canada geese are taking over osprey nests. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. They're 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 nesting on the 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 platform. No, no, no. Canada geese nest on the ground. Not always. Oh my lord. And apparently, how do the chicks survive the drop? Like wood ducks. Oh my lord. I didn't think they could, but because after I saw one of the videos, I was like, everybody's being really calm because they're like, oh, the Canada goose, the eggs are hatching yeah. today, and we're just gonna let this happen. Yeah. I'm like. That's a really high spot. Well, yeah. then I go into YouTube, and it's like, here's a Canada goose in, in an eagle nest, and here are the mm-hmm. young jumping out of the nest. So okay. apparently this is a thing. I did not know Canada geese chicks could happily jump out of a nest. Well, I Good shouldn't Lord. say happily, but can survive yeah. jumping out of a nest. Apparently they can. Yeah. And uh, so we've linked to two different uh, osprey ones. One is this place in uh, Canada. Of all places. No, it's got a weird name. Like... Usi Okay. The name is not important. 
Well, anyway, so she just had the chicks have hatched, yep. and they're going to jump off this telephone pole. Hopefully, they don't hit yeah. any wires. Uh, so that that happened. But then there's there's another great one that happened in April, and the Canada geese had not laid any eggs yet. Mm-hmm. So the osprey came back and was having none of it. Oh, heaven. And drove the geese out of the nest. Aww. And so the person caught this. Well, they're fine. They fluttered well, they're to animal. the ground. I mean, I I mean know, and they're person. geese. I know. They're geese. I know. They're not sandhill cranes. They are geese. And, uh, yeah, so the osprey dives up. And, and yeah. osprey, they'll come close to you. Yeah. I, I, they came way closer to these geese than they've ever come to us while bird banding. And what's really cute mm-hmm. is, like, they usually have a stick and try and drop it on you. And so right. this osprey, this person slows it down so you can see the osprey. And then after the osprey gets both the geese out of the nest, it, it lands and it's, like, holding its stick. Like, <laughs> Is it holding in its foot or in its mouth? In its foot. Those oh, aren't okay. going to hold anything in their mouths. No, it's They're not like me. an eagle in a Cuban propaganda novel. It's hard for me to imagine a bird holding a stick in in one foot and waving it like a shillelagh. <laughs> no, when we've gone to Band Osprey, they get upset and they fly yeah. around us and they yeah. yell at us. Yeah. They kind of dive. They don't dive at you like a peregrine dives at you. Right. But they'll fly around with a stick and they'll drop the stick around you. Yeah. It's like, wow, you know, if you could just drop it on our heads, we'd probably stop doing this. But, mm. but anyways, but yeah, the osprey lands with a with a stick but and drives the geese out. And then this person no also that... has it in slow-mo, so you can really see the osprey. No idea that Canada geese uh, nested off the ground. I had some idea. I didn't think the chicks survived because mm-hmm. we there was a Canada goose in Minnetonka that tried to take over an osprey platform. Mm-hmm. And the osprey drove the goose off, but the goose had an egg in there, mm-hmm. and so the Canada goose chick hatched. And just went to sleep in the nest and never woke up again. So when I tell you not to end with the most depressing story. <laughs> we haven't ended yet. We haven't yeah. ended. It's uh, so good. It's oh, so good. good. So you have a chance with a more depressing story. <sighs> Welcome to my world, folks. Well, you, you, anyway, I was just telling you that it is possible for Canada goose chicks, apparently, to jump out of a nest mm. really high up and mm-hmm. probably survive. Okay. I didn't tell you the seagull kitten story. I think you did, actually, because I remember that. No, no, I just read I this I don't want to know this story if you haven't told it to me. Okay, it was in the Daily Mail, so I didn't think it was that believable. All right. Anyway, that's all I got. <laughs> you say that, and I'm going to do the wrap-up, and you're going to... So why don't you just do the thing that you're going to remember at the last minute right now? All right? I, I, I don't think I have anything. <laughs> Bye so badly. All right, folks, this is Birching Podcast number 222. What are you doing? Oh, we're in 222. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we do 227, that's going to be. There's no place like home. All right, save that for later. You can't repeat this later. I'm not going to remind you. Uh, if you have any questions for Sharon, you can talk to her on Twitter. She is at Birdchick. You can email her, Sharon at Birdchick.com. You can find her on the Faces book, or you can comment on Birdchick.com. I mean, no place, child. Da-da-da.